0: All right, hour three of the Plank Show. Text line is just an absolute mess. Is it a beautiful place this morning? It is an absolutely beautiful place. I guess I didn't realize how much a poor basketball performance can bring out the fangs.
1: Well, it was Bedlam.
0: It was OSU too, so. And there
1: was a ton of excitement that you had from Alabama and it all came crashing down. It wasn't a close loss. It was an embarrassing loss.
0: It was bad. Joey Helmer was there front and center. In fact, he was inside the Lloyd Noble Center the last two nights. Um, What can we point a finger to? What can we pinpoint, Joey, that really led to the issues for Oklahoma last night that allowed that game to get away from him as quickly as it did in the second half?
2: Well, I think you have to point to it. uh, You know, Oklahoma State was outstanding last night. I mean, if Caleb Boone and – Musa Cisse are playing like that. Uh, that's going to be a really tough team to beat. <laughs> I mean, uh, they they were good. And Oklahoma just was not hitting shots last night. In that Alabama game, they were on fire. And uh, the great equalizer uh, when you're dealing with size that I thought Oklahoma just had so much trouble with those guys uh, is you have to be able to hit shots, and Oklahoma just was not doing that. It got dominated on the glass. They gave up a ton of uh, offensive rebounds. I think it was 14 total, and uh, that led to second-chance points that were uh, crippling at times. So uh, just all around it was a poor performance and uh, came off obviously one of the the best performance of the year and uh, one of the biggest wins in a long, long time. So uh, incredibly disappointing.
0: I guess the, the immediate reaction from everyone is, you know, what's, what's the situation look like in the post going forward? You know, Say and Boone, whenever they're able to do that, I mean, again, it's, it's pretty unique, right, when you have a combo that was that successful. But is this a product of Oklahoma just needing to get bigger, better post guys down there, in your opinion? Or can I simplify it as saying you shoot a little better from three and opens things up more?
2: Some of both. I definitely think they need it to, to get that uh, presence like that. Sam Goblin has given them uh, given Oklahoma good minutes, and Tanner Groves obviously, uh, when he's hitting shots, uh, he's quite effective. But uh, I just feel like you you have that enforcer in the paint. Uh, over, how many times last night did we see um, Oklahoma? Obviously, they missed shots from the outside, but the driving in and. Uh, if shots weren't blocked, they were altered. And uh, that's a critical component that uh, Oklahoma certainly needs. I mean, it's just crucial. And so, yes, that's something they need, but also make shots. I mean, if you're <laughs> the game can be pretty simple sometimes. If you're not hitting shots, I mean, it's going to be tough to win it. Oklahoma just did not shoot the ball well last night.
0: Not at all. Yeah, and that's – here's the thing. For me, personally, they had open looks. You know, and, and boy, some of those misses, Joey, they were just bad, way off. So, I guess, is, is this just the roller coaster we're going to ride? Hot shooting days, look out, that's a problem. And when they struggle from outside, it's going to be a bigger problem in that case for us?
2: There is some of that. And, you know, you're right. Uh, there were open looks that, uh, you know, especially early on, I felt that just, Oklahoma wasn't making them and then uh, I thought Oklahoma State did a really good job of extending them on the defensive end and um, they have that length inside and uh, because of that they can kind of take some chances and push you out uh, make things difficult for your perimeter players and uh, even if they beat you on a drive well then you got those enforcers so uh, that was the thing and I thought maybe Oklahoma could have used a little bit of tempo at times last night that uh, in Oklahoma state, they they used some full court um, pressure against uh, OU. So that limited some of that as well. But I thought maybe getting out in transition would have got them, bought them a few more extra open looks, but uh, that wasn't the case. But, Man, I mean, again, if you're if you're not making shots, you're not making shots. Right. Uh, it's going to be a tough life to live.
0: Agreed. So, uh, in your opinion, we're hanging on, Joey Helmer. I guess we just shot out of a cannon. OUinsider.com, dot com at Joey Helmer two four seven. Joey, in your world, in your mind, what what's next for this team? Tough trip this week into West Virginia. We're at that now. Past, I guess, actually, right at the halfway point of Big Twelve play. You kind of have a, a ceiling-basement feel, like what? how good can they be? How bad could this get?
2: Well, I think we, over the last three games, we've seen kind of both of those. I mean, <laughs> that Alabama game was, shoot, I mean, Alabama is one of the best teams in the country. They can win the national championship. Uh, well, Vanderbilt certainly uh, believes that after <laughs> what the Crimson Tide did to them uh, the other night. So uh, that's the that's the ceiling. Uh, the basement is the two games that uh, that performance was sandwiched around. Uh, the last time Oklahoma was uh, on the road at TCU uh, was a no show, and then uh, last night um, was frankly was kind of a no show as well. So. It's gut check time once again. This is a hard team to figure out uh, how they're going to uh, bounce back and respond. Every time you kind of think uh, this might be it, they come back and have a good performance. But then uh, you're starting to think last night, like Josh, and you said, I mean, it was a packed house. You just felt like Oklahoma was uh, trending finally back in that really solid direction and then uh, didn't show up. So it's hard to... Hard to know what we'll see this weekend, but it's going to be a tough environment for them. It's another game where it's a must win.
0: Absolute. Absolute must win. Gosh, it seems wild now. Sometimes you say that overly dramatic, like early in the season. But, I mean, Joe, you look at it now, we're we're entering those conversations when we're talking about, and and not even to win the division or to to win your your league, I mean – this is must-win territory to make the big dance. You're out of the conversation to win the Big 12. You're out of the conversation on that. Now it's you got to do what you can to make the dance. You're getting into must-win territory now.
2: Well, 12-10 and 10 is so much oh. different than 13-9. and 9. And so uh, that's why last night, you, you know, you look and if you put together a 2-0 week, you go from 12-9 and 9 to 14-9. and 9. Now, the flip side of that, you lose those two. And Oklahoma is twelve and eleven if they lose in Morgantown this weekend. So, uh, then you're starting to kind of run them. you're running short on chances to stack those wins up. So, yeah, it's life in this league is just so tough. But I mean, there's only so many opportunities at this point for Oklahoma that they, they got they got to win this one and start to. Start to, like Jalen Hill said last night, they they got to put a winning streak together at this point.
1: I think you nailed it. It has been tough to figure this Oklahoma team out. Every turn that you think, okay, maybe this is about to go downhill, or vice versa, where, okay, here here they're going to get this thing rolling, it's sort of been the opposite. So with that in mind, I've got no clue what to expect in Morgantown coming up this weekend, other than probably if we expect it to go poorly, maybe it's going to go the opposite direction because that's sort of been the path of this team. With that in mind, they're not out of this fight yet. They, uh, because of the Alabama win, that's a massive feather in the cap. I know two and seven in the big 12 is bad, but realistically what's this team got left in the tank and what, what do they need to get back on the right side of the bubble here coming down the stretch?
2: I have always kind of had in my mind that 17 wins going into the Big 12 tournament was kind of the number they needed. So, uh, I mean, I guess that puts them at they, – they need five wins. Uh, they're they're going to need to steal a couple at this point. And, uh, this, I, I would say this game this weekend wouldn't even come into that category. Yeah. I mean, West Virginia is one of the worst teams in the league. Um, you feel – so, Texas Tech still comes to town. Um, they just beat Iowa State the other night, which shows you again, it's like, man, nothing is given in this league. So, um, I mean, you, you got to you gotta put some wins. I think they need five wins, and what would that be? I mean, seven uh, wins in the league, I think, would give them a chance at 7-11, and 11, but that's a tall, tall task at this point. So... Uh, Oklahoma certainly fighting an uphill battle after last night.
0: We're hanging out with Joey Helmer, ouinsider.com. Joey Helmer 247 on Twitter. Now, uh, not to shift away from basketball, we're not turning a blind eye to it. We'll circle back around. But I, you and I have covered some signing days, and obviously you've got a great crew covering recruiting. Brandon and Parker do a fantastic job. But how weird was it to truly see the lack of anything? around Wednesday. I mean, obviously Taylor Heim signed. So that's a a guy that you talk about and we'll see what his position is. Is he, is he a tight end? Does that open things up for maybe someone else to move around? I don't know, but Joey, it's wild to just see how irrelevant Wednesday or the first, this, the true national signing day has become.
2: Yeah, it really is. And uh, December has become that i think <laughs> speaking from a personal perspective i kind of enjoyed it uh, <laughs> it was like okay, now nice he's laid out <laughs> we got one more addition here to uh, to add to the class okay let's write it up and we're good to go Cause, uh, when the letters of intent are flying in and they're non-stop like they are now in december it's it's like helter skelter so um yeah, it was it was kind of nice, and it, it is, like you said, it, it's crazy that it, it's turned into this, but it was almost just a free and easy day yesterday for uh, Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, nothing. I mean, especially when you're in already, what, 30 offers went out this past week, and we reach a true dead period now in recruiting, everyone's kind of moved on to 2024 and even 2025, so... I guess I'm not too shocked by the silence, but, man, it's so wild to see a day that was such a necessary day on the calendar become so irrelevant just as quickly as it has. Now, again, I'm no dummy. The early signing period did that, but there would always be a handful of guys that would wait. Now you had, like, two guys that even impacted Big 12 country.
2: Well, for those of us that are so used to that February signing day, it, you know, being like that, it's – it's just hard to get accustomed to uh, something so different, and uh, so many guys want to sign early. I think because hey, they want to get on campus and get the ball rolling and uh, get and be a part of spring ball, which is such a tremendous asset for right. them to to go ahead and uh, be a part of the program. So, yeah, but it is it, it's it's strange. Uh, I know. I mean, I, I'm certainly far from the longest to, to cover this in the business, but uh, I did do it for a number of years where uh, February was that day like December where it's, everything is uh, here they come, but everything's coming in and it, it's just not like that anymore.
0: Mm, insane soft, you know, we're doing an hour preview tonight uh, at Rudy's for softball as part of our weekly sooner sports talk shows and Joey, I'm really excited because I haven't had a chance to talk with Haley Lee or Sidney Sanders yet. And I know you and I are going to talk a lot about softball throughout the season. But I mean, I don't know what to think about what Haley Lee. Like, I feel like she's going to play a lot of positions. I think she's going to catch, obviously. I think she's going to DP. She may play some first. They used her in the outfield. You know, obviously, is going to get a lot of buzz. Sidney Sanders. It's going to get a lot of buzz, but I think Haley Lee might be the true wild card of the newcomers for the Sooners. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think you might be on to exactly something there. And I asked, uh, you know, when we did our exit interview, I asked Patty Gasso that question. I was kind of like, I mean, gosh, we know how talented they are. There's so many good newcomers. You know, there's obviously so many great pieces back from these two national championships, but like who's kind of that X factor? Uh, I mean, is there someone that, that even falls into that, that even falls into that equation? Because gosh, everyone's so well known, but uh, Haley Lee is can play a number of positions, like you said. And um, I, I just, I mean, I can't wait to see uh, again this lineup just blasting left and right, and uh, I think people and that jocelyn Allo's is no longer in the lineup and you're kind of telling people well it's gonna probably be more power and more pop this year in the lineup than there even was it's like wow how do you believe it but oh man <laughs> that's gonna be the case so it's, it's gonna be fun it's
0: incredible all right buddy joey appreciate your time at joey helmer 247 ouinsider.com we'll talk to you again next thursday have a great weekend
2: Thanks. And uh, I think you might have talked me into coming and grabbing a barbecue sandwich tonight. do that
0: I'm in. I'm in. I'll be there. We'll see you there then, Joey. That's awesome. All right.
2: We'll see you. Thanks.
0: Do you know what I end up doing every single time I go to Rudy's, though? I always end up spend, getting way too much food. I spend way too much money.
1: No such thing as too much.
0: It's like I'll go there and I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm going to get some, let uh, me some chopped brisket. You know what else? I kind of think I want a sausage link. You know what? I want some banana pudding with that, too. Spicy chop. Mm. Oh, spicy chop. Most affordable thing on the menu in, in gym. Tremendous. Well, then you're like, well, you not. Turkey sandwich sounds good. Maybe a rib wouldn't be bad either to add to this. Next thing you know, I've spent like 30 bucks on a meal for one person. That's how good Rudy's is. Or if
1: you're really concerned... Like me with, uh, you know, your nutrition and your health. Right. Maybe you dive into some of those desserts, some some pudding. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Hey, Lou Roselli, a late add to the guest list, will join us next right here on The Ref. All right, let's go straight to the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. The head coach of the Oklahoma Wrestling Squad, Lou Roselli, is in the house. Coach, thanks for taking time with us. I know that uh, it was a, a, a challenging trip challenging showdown in Northern Iowa, but what did you uh, learn about your team coming out of it and getting set for a big weekend ahead of you?
3: Well, you know, um, you learn a lot of things as, as you, you compete, and we wrestled number four at Iowa State, Northern Iowa, and um, the outcomes weren't exactly what I wanted, of course, you know, because you want to win, um, but there was lots of good things. I mean, we had a lot of young people stepping up and winning, and John Wiley, you know, at 149, stepped in for Mitch Moore, and Beat the number six ranked guy. I think Tate Pickle beat number twenty three at, at Iowa State. Um, you know we had a lot of a lot of wins that were over highly ranked opponents. It's just I don't know if it's. A, I think that we're in a time where we just need everybody in there. I need every guy in there wrestling on all cylinders. I need Garrett Ninehouse wrestling in all cylinders. I need Mitch in there. You know and uh, Northern Iowa, was the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know I, Moshe Schwartz beat number seven and Happel and number 15 in Swiderski that last weekend. So Heinzelman beat number 11 or 12 Gordon. So there was a lot of really good things, but as a group as a whole, we just need to have, make sure everybody's in there and they got to be wrestling in all cylinders. And you got to give more and you can't give up bonus points. We had a couple people give up bonus points. And that's just unacceptable. That's, there's no other way for me to look at that <laughs> besides unacceptable.
0: Well, you know I mean,
1: I hear you. what
3: we do. So, um, you know, and, 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 our, and my guys know that they know that. And, and, and there's, a, there's a, there's a standard of excellence that goes here. And, um, you know, and I expect a lot out of everybody. I, I expect them to win. And, uh, you know, and I expect them to, to give a, an incredible amount of effort. So, you know, I, I did learn some things. I do know that we got to have everybody in there and, and wrestling well together. Haven't really had all of them at the same time wrestle on all cylinders. And, and I'm hoping that each week we're, we're going to, you know, everyone's ready. They, they do all the little things right in the details of making weight, getting their mind ready, making sure they handle their, their business so that they can have a great performance in the
0: postseason. Mm, I love it. You got me fired up, Coach. How big was that for Piccolo uh, over the week? And, again, talented kid, but to get a win like that over a ranked opponent, how big was that for him?
3: I, I, think, I think they're all really big. But, mm. you know, as he continues to make progress and, and believe in what's going on and how things are and trust in, in the process of just doing the work, and if, if Tate Piccolo continues to do, do the work, he's just, you know, he, he's used to winning. Um, he expects himself to win. And, and so I, I just think that they're all huge. I don't think he should be surprising himself. When you're ranked number one out of high school, you shouldn't be surprised that you're winning at everything. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think he is, is that person. But, you know, I just think in general, it's like, no, you're supposed to win. That's, that's, what, that's why you're here. You're here to get an education, to do things right, and to, and to, and to compete at the highest level. And so it was, a, it was a good, it's a good start for him. Uh, you know, and I just expect him to, to have more and more success. I, I, I don't want to leave it at, so what, you beat a ranked guy, big deal. <laughs> His job is. You know, the standard of excellence is, is to be – you're trying to win nationals. You're trying to be a national champion. And for him, he's trying to make an Olympic team someday. So, right. you know, that should be the – it should be the smallest of them. That go. Like, oh, yeah. But it's a good start. It's a really good start for him.
0: Yeah. Uh, and it's fun. I love that, Coach. I hadn't thought of it that way. Hey, can – you know, you'll you'll see the NCAA tweeted out, upset alert, and you, in, in the mind of Tate Piccolo, shouldn't be upset alert. This should be your expectation. This should be your every day, right?
3: Agreed. Agreed. And that's why it's like – as happy as I am for him, and I think it is good. It's you know from where I came from, you know, and six years ago from where we we're at to where we're, you know, our young guys beating ranked opponents. And John Wiley beat number six, and and you know he's a true freshman, and but that's what you're supposed to do. That's what we that's what we're supposed to be, you know. And so as we move forward, I, that's my I, I've always expected that, but now I have some guys that can that can step up and get themselves on those platforms, and you know, and and I think that that's a really good sign. We're just we're just keep you know, and I know it doesn't. Seem fast but just creeping along just keep pushing them to a level of of, of um, competition that they're, they're supposed to be at and so the expectations change and standards change and and that this is what in my eyes you know those guys that win those young guys that are they're beating rank guys and to me that's you're just supposed to and so um you know and if you don't expect it out of yourself then you're probably in the wrong spot
0: love it lou roselli is our guest OU wrestling home friday and sunday uh, showdown with Missouri on Friday night. Really good Missouri team. Rider coming in on Sunday. Coach, what can we expect from the Tigers in here, and what's going to be a fun night on Friday?
3: Well, you know, obviously, you know, um, we have Youth Night and, and um, Teacher Appreciation Night. The tickets are three bucks. Um, but but um, uh, for Missouri, you know, they're ranked in almost every weight class, you know, and so and, and on paper, you know, uh, they're supposed to just be ten zero, you know. But but I, but I think we got some guys ready to fight and ready to compete. At that level, and and I'm excited about it. I think you're, you see some big matchups in Piccolo and Mako at 74. I think you'll see a big matchup at 41 with Moshe Schwartz. You know, um, and I think they're ranked seventh, and we're ranked eighth uh, at 41. I think at 25, certain and Prada. So I just think there's there's some really great matchups that you'll see. Now we have to come ready to compete. You know, and and you got to win close matches. And I say this all the time. You know, people say, no, you got to win the close ones. The dual weight's winning close matches. So you got to win the four threes. You got to win the tough ones, you know, to, to be competitive. You know, I think you'll see the same thing Heinzelman and, and Zach Elam at heavyweight. But, but I can go up and down the lineup and say, no, no, they're one, that's a one-point match right there. <laughs> that's, a, that's a takedown match. Whoever gets it is going to win, you know. And when you go through all those things, they, they have a couple standouts. O'Toole at 65 is really good against uh, Ninehouse. I think Rocky Elam at 97 is heavily favored, you know, but we, we got to have some damage control there. So I I just think that there's, you know, there's, you know, the the match will be good. It's in our conference. It's obviously you want to win. They're, you know, they got every guy ranked. So we got to step up. We got to step up. It's that time of year where you know you got to step up and start doing doing what you're supposed to.
0: Uh, You mentioned. I, I'm excited for it. Three bucks to get in the door. Uh there'll be a meet and greet with the team, signed poster. You're gonna you're gonna lay out a little Matt talk too, but more than anything else, coach, it's youth night and an opportunity for uh, take your kid, man. I've I've taken both my daughters to a wrestling match. They love it. It's the type of thing where the fans get into it, the crowd gets into it, and, and, and you're you're connected. It's an awesome experience. And to get in for three bucks, that's a great deal. Yeah.
3: On a Friday night, Come on! If you if you enjoy wrestling, even if you don't enjoy it, you know, just like you have to experience. But once you get you know involved in these kids' lives and you know who they are and you know how hard they work at what they're doing while getting an education and how how rigorous wrestling really is, and you go, wow! I, I just enjoy watching them compete at sports. It, it's a it can be fun. Win, lose, or draw. It's fun to watch people compete that care about what they do, that are passionate, and you know, it, it come on out, bring your kid, you know, enjoy a beer too, you know, and. and and watching people scrap,
0: it's worth it's, it. It's
3: the fighting, controlled fighting, right? That's what we're doing. There's just rules. <laughs> you know, people love the UFC. There's just there's just a few rules. That's all. I mean, it's controlled fighting.
0: You're awesome, Lou. Best of luck this week, and I appreciate you coming on with us on short notice. And we'll continue to spread the word. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. See, you, Coach Lou Rosali. Oh, you wrestling against Missourian Rider? I uh, I, I took my kids to a wrestling match. I spent the problem with me taking my girls to a wrestling match. Is I spend too way too much time explaining things? No, no, see, it's different here. No, baby, he can't He can't drop kick him. No, they can't. Yeah, no, they can't sweep the leg. No, there's not a top rope. This is not a ring. It's a circle. Okay, listen, I'm never taking you guys again. I'm going by myself. But no, it's great. And, and Lou's going to lay it all out, too, afterwards. What a potential for a big win for Oklahoma this Friday and then Sunday against Strider. All right, we owe you a very belated top five stories of the day. You know, I don't think I've ever heard Dan Orlovsky talk on first take. I don't think I've ever heard him talk in a segment on that show. But just having this on while we're on the air, I've never seen anyone with a constant resting B face while anyone else is talking more than Dan Orlovsky. He never looks like he is in agreement with anything that the other person is saying.
1: You're an idiot. Right,
0: exactly. God. As I'm watching this with Damian Woody and Keyshawn Johnson, uh is I again. I've I don't yeah, I've met Dan Olaski. He did the Cheese It Bowl, but I've never heard him talk on this show. But it seems like he doesn't agree with anything anyone is saying.
1: It's just pathetic that this network would put me on with these bozos. That's
0: the way it looks when I'm watching this. Disgusting. Oh, by the way, we didn't get. I didn't get to my favorite ridiculous hot take of the day yet. Did you see the hottest of hot takes? There's scorching hot takes. There's fire takes. And then there is Rob Parker. Rob Parker. Talking about Tom Brady. Um,
1: do we have the audio?
0: I, I I do, but because for some reason Fox Sports Radio is incessant about making every single audio clip like eight hours long. Um, I. I'll, how about I'll just save it for you. You want me? You want me to? Uh, you just want me to narrow it down for you. you sure. W- you want to get the nuts and bolts of it. Rob Parker doesn't believe that Tom Brady is a Hall of Famer, oh, and if he had a vote, it. he would not vote for Tom Brady because the things he did to get a competitive advantage over other stop people.
1: Stop it. He's gone too far. The the load, okay, I can I can. Embrace, <laughs> that's pretty funny.
0: The luckiest of all time. I
1: can embrace the load a little bit, but like if you don't want to say Tom Brady's the greatest, okay, I, I think fine. I think that's a reasonable debate you can have about several quarterbacks that could maybe enter that conversation. I probably, I mean, if I'm doing a ranking, I'm giving Tom Brady number one. I don't think he's the most talented quarterback of all time. But a uh, combination of talent, accomplishment, all that, to me, he's the greatest right now, right?
0: It's hard to argue, right? It's hard to argue.
1: But to say he's not a Hall of Famer is one of the most ridiculous comments I've ever heard. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's just pathetic.
0: Dude has more Super Bowl rings than any team. Think about that for a moment. There's not a single franchise that has more Super Bowl rings than Tom Brady. Correct.
1: Pretty- and, and he played for 10.
0: Alright, we got a break. Ooh, we've got a new name as the top target for the Alabama offensive coordinator search that we'll get into next. Um and I'll tell you what, I think I think Jeff Levy wants to be here, but I don't think that stopped anyone from trying to get him to come be their offensive coordinator either. There's more to this constantly, but we'll get into that as well as the top five stories of the day next. By the way, there is a pretty funny uh, Jesse Palmer take that's going around the internet that I'm not going to lie. I laughed quite hysterically about during the break. I'm not a big Bachelor guy. In fact, to me, Jesse Palmer was the guy from Florida who shows up, like, incessantly on all my college shows that I watch. It's like, oh, gosh, here comes Jesse Palmer again. So handsome. Makes us all look terrible. Um, But the Tom Coughlin-Jesse Palmer story is pretty good. What happened? Basically, so... His, the year that he was on The Bachelor was his first year in the league. Okay. And so he's getting ready to go to the airport, and everyone's like kind of cracking up. No one really knew The Bachelor then. They didn't know what it was. Like he said, Jim Fossil was like, how many girls are on this show? You're doing what? And so uh, he calls. They, they say, hey, you need to call Tom Coughlin. It was Tom Coughlin's first year as the head coach. With the Giants? And with the Giants, right? Oh, man. And he's like, you need to tell him that you're going on The Bachelor. He needs to know. <laughs> right. And so he calls he calls into the office, and he says, I'm stammering around trying to explain The Bachelor to him and you know, going through all these things. And he said, as soon as I uh, kind of paused for a moment, moment, Coach Coughlin goes, are you, uh, you going to make it in time for minicamp? And Jordan Palmer goes, yes, sir. He goes, well, why the hell are you calling me? <laughs> so I guess someone just wanted to see him struggle. And then he joked that apparently Coughlin became a fan of the show, too. Like, literally, he was... He enjoyed it? He, he enjoyed Jesse Palmer being on the show. It's huh. worth it. I, I would play it, but listen, we, we're trying to get to the top five stories today, and we got a lot to hustle through here. So, well worth your time, ladies and gents, if you're surfing around the web today. Very interesting. All right. Uh, hour, three, <laughs> hour three of the Plank Show, as always, is brought to you by the good folks at Mop and Roofing, locally owned and operated... Mop and Roofing is serving all of Oklahoma and has been in business for over 35 years. 405-703-3843. Let's hustle through an edition of the Top 5 Stories of the Day. Here we go. It's time for the Top 5 Stories of the Day.
1: Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play.
0: Let's go, man. Lou Roselli was a hit on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, was he not? I, just, just real quick, before we get to the top five stories of the day, Oklahoma Jones, or as I like to refer to him, Ice Cream Jones, no sugar coating from Coach Lou. Love the attitude and expectations. Most coaches publicly feel the same way, but don't say it publicly. Uh, Kendall writes, I'd go to a celebrity wrestling match between Plank and Coach Lou. Kendall, I, my dad always thought I would be a good wrestler. True story. Like, literally, to this day, he's like, just would have committed yourself there's a lot of running and wrestling a lot of running oh you
1: gotta be in great condition a lot of
0: running so i went to like my very first practice and i'm not gonna lie josh i liked it i mean i wasn't very good but i liked it and then when practice was over it was like all right go uh go run the stairs and i'm like oh okay just run the stairs a little bit and we ran the stairs for like a day and that was pretty much where wrestling came to an end. <laughs> so like, That's oh, where your career came to close. Practice is over, 6 o'clock, go run the stairs, like 9 o'clock. It's like, all right, guys, you're done. Yeah, Lou Roselli would tie me into a pretzel. 5-0, oh, thank you all for the, for the wrestling coverage. Las Vegas Sooner rights. Coach Roselli is fantastic. My son was at the OU camp a few years ago in middle school, flew him out. He was sitting in the lobby area waiting alone for the camp to begin. Coach Roselli came out, invited him to lunch one-on-one, made a lasting impression. Respect for coach and forever, forever grateful. That's from Las Vegas sooner. Look at you. Lou Roselli a hit on the plank show. Let's go. What are we doing? Top five. Big story. Number five. Number five. Oh. Oh. Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit one hundred seven. Uh, I haven't been able to find a ton of information on just like printed reports on the senior bowl or anything of that nature. Um, It did seem as if Eric Gray had a very nice day. We talked about the offensive lineman earlier, got into a little bit of a tiff because um, I I completely forgot that Anton Harrison wasn't there. In from offensive lineman perspective, the only one there is Wanya Morris, and apparently Wanya Morris is a hit. With some of his measurables and some things that they've seen, so I mean, let's not forget, this was a very highly thought of recruit when he came to Oklahoma and transferred in. He was projected to be a preseason All Big Twelve uh, pick, and actually been playing pretty well this year before he got hurt. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him being a day two pick, I'm not a second round guy.
1: Can you confirm or deny that you will be dancing on Graves if he's a second rounder now?
0: Well, the one guy that wanted to fight with me on Twitter, I definitely have that tweet saved. Uh, but here's here's the best thing I could find as far as print printed uh, updates out there. Oklahoma running back Eric Gray had some good moments running the ball. There you go. There's What an update. <laughs> There's an update. For... But, no, Senior Bowl going at Jalen Redman. Had a couple of nice reps yesterday. Uh, as I mentioned on tomorrow's show, we're going to effort maybe uh, Andy Staples or Cole Kubrick. I know they're all in on
1: the Senior Bowl right now to see if they can't give us some perspective on what we've seen and what we're learning. Um, boy, uh, – the dork meter for some out there for the senior bowl is quite high. Where does your senior bowl dork meter stand? All right, so it's
0: it's mock drafts number 1. Okay? <laughs> number 1, number 1. Always number 1. Number 2 is actually the combine. Senior bowl has always kind of been down the list a little bit for me just because it happens like while the football season's going on, right? We still have a Super Bowl to be played.
1: I've got a so. guy that works for me that it's He was in Mobile last year covering it. Mm -hmm. He's legitimately like it's he's sad that he's not there. It's it's a lot of
0: people. Hey, it's a lot of people Super Bowl. Uh, I'm just not in that list now. If I go and I experience it, maybe that changes. All right, big story number four. Number four. It's gonna hustle through this a little bit. You know, in in all of the frustration over the Thunder uh, over the Oklahoma Sooner loss to Oklahoma State last night. We forgot that the Thunder were playing what we all thought was a very winnable game last night, and it looked that way at times. Stay on the handle. Slashes right. Pulls up, fades, and rattles down a 10-footer right of the lane. So Gildas Alexander feeds Gordon a little of his high-scoring medicine. But unfortunately in the end. Three seconds, two seconds, one. And tonight, in Turner Center, the Rockets have won their second straight game. The final is 112-106. to 106, And friends, it's another Rockets win. Bless that guy's heart. He's only been able to do that 13 times this year, so let him have his moment. Make it make sense, Josh. Make it make sense. Just, we talked, Thunder are demanding our attention, and they are. They're playing well. They had, they were, uh, they had wins over, the Cleveland win, as good of a win as you've had this year, right? Went to Denver. Beat a good Nuggets team. But they played horrifically in what was that? Well, and give a lot of credit to Steph Curry. Terrible second quarter against the Warriors. And then they get beat by a bad Houston team. You know, they play Houston again on Saturday. They'll probably win by 50. But I just... I don't know how people gamble or cover this league consistently because you can feel really smart one night and look like a complete moron the next night.
1: I think I dislike the Houston Rockets play-by-play guy.
0: I don't like him either.
1: (laughs) I'm sure that we'd get along famously. We'd probably be best friends. But something about having a signature into the broadcast, I don't know. But then again, I love the Yankees guys, so I don't know.
0: Is it looking more and more, in your opinion, uh, like – Wimbignana is going to be a rocket next year? Is that kind of where. It's got to be, right? I mean, you've got. Probably
1: the, not, though. I mean, the, the lottery situation just makes it, who knows?
0: Detroit, San Antonio, Charlotte.
1: It'll probably be San Antonio. Of course it will be. Of course it that, will that's, be. That's who will get the, the, the
0: lottery. But the Thunder lose last night, two-game losing streak. They'll bounce back. I mean, they'll smoke Houston on Saturday night. All right, big story number three. Number three. Oh, oh God, we got, we got so much NFL stuff for this show. So much NFL stuff for this show. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is talking about just kind of his future. Energy. So energy, the the vibe around him, the juice. I don't think he uses the term juice. But he was asked about Nathaniel Hackett because Hackett gets hired with the Jets, so everyone thinks Aaron Rodgers is on its way there.
2: Love Hack. I mean Hack is Hack's my guy. I love him and, and Megan and the kids are really special to me. Like we really bonded when uh, when he was in Green Bay. Uh, he made it fun. He made the room fun, made the weeks fun.
0: Uh, Jerry uh, shifting from Aaron Rodgers, which is gonna be a nonstop saga. Uh, Jerry Jones on the departure of Kellen Moore. This is an opportunity, though, for Mike and us to use other skill sets that we have, other really assets we have in Mike's background, his experience uh, running offensive, calling plays. It's the kind of thing that uh, had I worked this out with Mike coming in, I wouldn't have been as assured as I feel now because he knows our personnel even more so. Uh, he knows uh, uh, kind of what they've been doing, and he can meld that into his uh, any nuances of his uh, offensive system that he wants to. I'm going to be the I first. one oh, happening. I'm sorry, Jerry. I'm going to be the first one to admit it. I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong. Jerry's bought in on Mike McCarthy. Steven's bought in on Mike McCarthy. Never thought it would be the case. So much so that uh, Mike McCarthy probably went to him and said, you know, I like Kellen Moore, and I know he was your guy, but I really feel like I need to be calling plays. And they're like, okay. One more time around the sun. Here you go. Why not? Maybe one. All right. Um. Well, that was riveting from Jerry. Boy, he, he'll he get going sometimes and you're tuned in. And other times he'll get going and you're like, is this cut going to ever end? It feels like an episode of the Stern Show for me. I, I didn't listen to a word he said. I, I, it. I, I couldn't. He was too boring for me. It was like the uh, Orange Crush and the Iowa thing last night. It was all those words. And I'm like, I want to know what's going on here, but there's too many words clipped noted okay. for you. All right, big story number two. Number two. I put this out on Twitter at Plank Show. Um, also you should follow us at Josh On Ref and at KRF Sports. But an interesting nugget from Dennis Dodd's column today about Oklahoma, and Texas, and the potential exit to the SEC. Both recently made an offer to the Big Twelve and to Fox to leave the league one year early, but The league rejected it. The nature of the offer isn't clear. The Big 12 rights holders would have to be made whole for losing OU and Texas from its programming lineup that could involve a series of non-conference games involving both schools being played in Big 12 stadiums once OU and Texas join the SEC. But again, that's where my mind is just blown in this whole thing. Why wouldn't they go ahead and have OU play at Kansas State or OU play at Waco if you want to play it in their state, you got two opportunities right there. I mean, and again, I, I know that that would have been the schedule regardless, but you, it doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Unless they're trying to set up Oklahoma versus Kansas State in a Big 12 championship game.
0: Maybe so. I don't know. But even
1: then, I mean, I, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. It there's, been, sense.
0: there's been nothing out of those meetings so far this morning, which gets us, of course, to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Okay, I mentioned. Obviously, we've been talking about Bedlam all morning long. Uh, uh, Porter Moser, afterwards, as you might imagine, disappointed. Yeah, I think they were, um, they were, they were up in them. They were switching everything. They were very physical with them, with the ball. Um, They weren't leaving them. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't give them open hardly at all. Sure, Phil. We uh, and um, they just, you know, I just think their speed. They, they really did a good job switching. Uh, being physical on handoffs, physical on, on everything. I just I thought from the jump, you know, you could just see it. They denied him a couple times early, um, set the tone. But uh, they did a nice job. But they do that against a lot of people. I've watched. It's reason why they can guard the dribble. It's, it's one thing I've talked about. I have people's asked me about their defenses. Is their guards can guard the dribble, and then when they when they do, they can get up in you. They're not afraid to get up in you because if you do go by them, they got C and Boone, they got Cisse and Boone back there. So they they know that they got a rim protector if they do get driven. So they can they can really get up in you. And that was the problem last night, as though you lost by ten in Bedlam. Yeah. <laughs> can I can I give you a quick little stat? You say one of them. I say the only problem with C. S. A. and Boom, they want to combine sixteen and twenty from the floor. Sixteen of twenty from the floor. They were nine of twelve from the floor in the second half. The rest of Oklahoma State as a team shot twenty seven percent from the floor from the game and the rest of Oklahoma State was just 4 of 21 from the floor in the second half. The rest of Oklahoma State's offense uh was responsible for nine second half points from the field outside of Boone and Cisse. Yeah, they they were pretty good. All right, I I'd mention there's a new name in the mix for Alabama's offensive coordinator. We'll tell you about it next as we put a wrap on this edition of the Plank show. All right, so here's the news From Chris Lowe, according to reports, Notre Dame's offensive coordinator Tommy Reese has emerged as the top target.
1: I'm I'm surprised we didn't hear his name sooner.
0: Yeah, me too. Reese has had discussions with Nick Saban. This is for the Alabama offensive coordinator job and is scheduled to be on campus today. Saban's looking for an OC to replace Bill O'Brien. So there is that.
1: Reese, does he go or no? Yes. You think he's going? I think
0: he's going. I think that's. I think that's the guy.
1: I think he stays in Notre Dame. Do you? Yeah.
0: I'm kind of also rooting because I I worry that eventually they might circle back around and go, "All right, Jeff Lebby, three million dollars to come to Alabama, three point five million dollars, and then you're starting to get into some pretty ridiculously er money, if that's even a word." All right, everyone have a great day. Parker Thune and Mike Steeley are next. They call it Steel Man and Thune at noon for Josh on Plank. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Home of Sooner fans.